Of the popes in the 20th century, Pope Pius XI, who was the Holy Father from 1922 to 1939, is perhaps the least remarkable. Benedict XV was pope during the First World War. Pius X is a saint. Pius XII was pope during the Second World War. John XXIII and Paul VI were were part of the Second Vatican Council. John Paul II was Holy Father for over 25 years. Pius XI reigned from a time of just after the First World War to just before the Second World War. He reigned during a time of real turmoil and transition, especially in Europe. In 1922, the European continent was still recovering from the effects of the First World War. A war that not only decimated the population, it's something like over a third of French men 18 to 35 died during that war, but it was also a time of total cultural renewal and upheaval in many ways in Europe. The kingdoms, the empires that had defined Europe for centuries had collapsed and something new was coming into existence. And this was not an easy time. Economies were tedious at best. Unification was a difficult process. In fact, (coughs) Pius XI became Holy Father in January or February of 1922. And later that year, the fascists of Italy under Benito Mussolini marched on Rome and staged a coup and took over the operations of the state. That was just in Europe. In Russia, the communists were taking over Russia and driving out the Christians, and people were dying from famine. In the, in the North America, there was a revolution and a civil war in Mexico, a lot of which had to do with the separation or the way in which the church and state interact with one another. And into this milieu is Pius XI. And so it's understandable then that a few years into his pontificate, he would write a encyclical called Quas Primas about and establishing this feast that we celebrate today. Pius XI looked around and he saw a world in turmoil and in tension, facing a lot of political uncertainty, difficulty, war, confusion, seeing the rise of totalitarian regimes in both the forms of fascism and communism seeing the struggle of the poor and the people to make do when inflation and the economy in many parts of Europe was out of control. And so he looked at himself, he looked at the church, he looked at the world, and he ultimately said, and he declared for the whole church, that we as Christians actually do have hope and a path forward. And it's under the kingship of Jesus Christ. That we believe that for not only ourselves, but for the world to be at peace and to fulfill its destiny, we must submit to the kingship, the rule, and the leadership of Jesus Christ. Pope Pius XII wrote in 1925 in his encyclical, When once people recognize both in private and in public life that Christ is king, society will at last receive the great blessing of real liberty, well-ordered discipline, peace, and harmony, the result of a stable peace and tranquility, for there will no longer be any cause of discontent. Peace and harmony will result, for with the spread and the universal extent of the kingdom of Christ, men will become more and more conscious of the link that binds them together. Facing a world of tension, of confusion, 
In many places, a rise in hatred and animosity. Does this sound familiar to any of you? Pope Pius XI called all of us, disciples of Jesus Christ, to put Christ first in our lives. In fact, when we look at the world around us, regardless of the tensions, the turmoils, the difficulties that we face, in fact, because of those, those are the things that are going to propel us to sanctity, to the kingdom of God, and to building that up here on earth. So often it's easy for us to look at all that is wrong with the world and say, how could God possibly bring any good of this? But it's often precisely in those areas of division, of tension, of difficulty, that we can, through the love that is instilled in our hearts, through the grace poured out to us in baptism and in the sacraments, that we can restore and renew and rebuild the world and the church, our families, our various societies. But we must first look to Christ. And we must first make Christ our King. Christ desires to be all and in all. He desires everything in our lives. And so for Christ to be King, it must start with you and me giving our very hearts, our very lives to Jesus. To talking to Jesus as if everything in my life depends upon Him. To trust in Him and to entrust to Him everything that is on my heart. The Lord desires to set all of us free and to give us peace, but do we entrust Him enough with that? Are we willing to make that sacrifice each and every day to pray, to not only speak to the Lord, but to listen to Him? Are we willing to listen to what he has to teach us and to drive out sin in our lives? Because ultimately, when we allow ourselves to be overcome and overrun in the battle against sin, when we allow ourselves to grow complacent or in, a, in the fight against sin, or when we don't actively look into our hearts and ask, Lord, where do I need to convert? We are overcome. We are overrun by the world. And yet Jesus wants, us to, wants to be in the midst of that with us. He is the king. He is the conqueror. He will push out all that is evil in our hearts if we give them to him continually. And it's a battle. Every time I go to confession, I think to myself, I am confessing the same sin again and again and again. But guess what? Jesus Christ is king of my heart and king of my life. And he desires to win that battle with me again and again and again. And he desires to do the same for you because he desires for you to be free. But we aren't just limited into giving our hearts to the Lord. We must also give the world around us to Jesus. So we start in the order of charity, giving our hearts to Jesus, but also our friendships and our intimate relationships. Is Jesus the king of your home? Can every one of your friends look to you and say, that is a person who knows and believes in Jesus? Even if you never echo the name of Jesus in a conversation. Do they look to you and say he or she is leading a life that is following something greater than herself or himself? Are, are we working actively to bring Jesus and to bring our discipleship into everything we do with our friends and with our family? This isn't easy. It requires intimacy and vulnerability. It requires a risk on my part to invite Jesus into a relationship because I know that it's going to be a challenge or it's going to be difficult if someone has turned their back on God to love them because of the pain that I experience. It's easy to project that 
onto another. And yet Jesus comes to us and he says, if you give me your heart in prayer, if you give me your heart in driving out sin and virtue, I will help lead you in those relationships so that you can be vulnerable, so that you can grow in intimacy, so that my reign can increase in your life and in your relationships. But again, it doesn't stop there. Jesus then calls us to make him the king of our community, of our parish, of our, of our, of our community here, and then eventually to the whole world. And this is through acts of service and charity. But you see how these build on each other, brothers and sisters. The Christ kingdom and reign starts in your yes, and it grows into your family. And from your family and friends, it extends into the community. The reign of God is not brought about by war and by coercion, but by love and sacrifice and service. And so we must challenge ourselves to love those and to serve those in our communities who are in need. And especially as we prepare to enter into the Advent season and prepare for Christmas, we must rebel against the idolatry of consumerism that exists in our culture. We are about preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus. We are about using this time to serve those in need, to take from the gifts that we have, to give to those who have not. One of the things, one of the great things we do here in our community, here at St. Paul's, is our Christmas sharing program. To take from what we have to serve those who wouldn't have a Christmas otherwise. And when we do all of these things, give our hearts to the Lord, give our families and friendships to the Lord, give our community to the Lord, our peace, as Pius XI says, grows. And it becomes something more beautiful, something more palpable, something more exciting and attractive. But I, I want to end with this, because I haven't said a word about the scriptures today, have I? <laughs> The link to the reign of God is the cross. No one can escape that. For God to be the king, for me to follow Jesus effectively, it always passes through the cross. On this feast where we celebrate the feast, the solemnity of Christ, the king of the universe, we are presented in our gospel with the cross. And with the good thief recognizing that I belong here. And we too must recognize that in our brokenness, in our sins, in our struggles, in our failures to love, that the cross is something we have in some way, shape, or form merited. But the victory is through Christ. When we take up that cross and give it to Jesus, when we sit with him on his throne on the cross, we are not alone. In fact, we are guaranteed salvation and eternity. And so Jesus comes to each of us today. It's as if we are on Calvary with him. And we have a choice. We have a choice like the, the rulers, like the people at the foot of the cross, like the bad thief, to scorn, to ridicule, to mock, to turn away from the gore, from the horror of the cross. Or we can embrace it and give it to Jesus and ask him for that strength so that Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We say this again and again and again, not today, but every day. And when we take that up, 
when we give it to the Lord, when the reign and the kingdom of God increases in our hearts, Jesus looks upon us with tenderness, with mercy. All of the cares, all the frustrations of the world melt away. And he looks into our very soul and he says, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise.